Hello, this is Jack Tudor from Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, a new podcast where I sit down with artists and musicians from across the field of experimental sound, and we talk about the albums that are important to them. So each time I'll have a different guest on, I've asked them to pick three records that they consider to be important, and then we get together and discuss them at length. So we talk about why they're important, what they like about these records, when they first heard these records. And often this kind of line of questioning and approaching this topic often provides some really fascinating insights into these people as artists and the decisions they make as creators as well. It's something I've long been interested in through Attention Magazine. It's always a question that I'm posing to interviewees. And so it's great to be able to dive deeper into this question with a whole host of people that I admire and that I enjoy listening to. So my first guest is France Jobin, a Montreal-based sound artist who has released music on labels such as Line and Bascaru. She creates incredibly delicate sounds and soundscapes often that remind me of things such as very brittle glass that would break if clasped too hard or memories that are on the verge of slipping out of the mind completely. She's currently running a number of installations at the time I'm recording, uh, I believe one of which would have ended by the time this airs, around the region of Italy and Sicily. So there's an installation called Intersperse, which is on until June 17th in Citta Sant'Angelo in Italy, and one called Entretemps, which is running until September 30th in Palena in Italy. So definitely go check those out. I'll include all the details in the show notes and also at attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening. So France chose a really wonderful array of records. Selfishly, this exercise also offers me a bunch of recommendations that I can check out. And these ones in particular proved to be really fascinating to me. So without further ado, the first episode of Crucial Listening. Hello, France. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Thank you, Jack. It's nice talking to you. <laughs> yes, yeah, great talking to you as well. Um, I understand, actually, just before we started recording, you made reference to the fact that you're in quite medieval surroundings right now. Could you just share whereabouts you are and why you're there? Yes, um, I can tell you. I'm in a, in a building right now that is uh, Museo Laboratorio. 
which is uh, in fact an old uh, an old uh, tabaki factory and uh, the it also served uh, sadly as a prison during uh, world war ii and uh, this building is uh, medieval uh very you know lots of brick lots of humidity lots of echo it's, it's amazing uh, and i was invited by museo laboratorio Lux and Pharmacia 901, which is a label here in, in Italy, uh, to create a site-specific installation based on the sounds of the Abruzzo region, where I am right now, and uh, the sounds of Museo and the, you know, local environments and so on. So I created the um, sound installation which is my biggest really so far uh i think i have seven rooms here 10 speakers and uh it's it's uh, the name of the installation is intersperse and uh, it it's exactly what it implies is that the sound moves through the space and really interact with each other in a way that uh, such a building uh, provides in terms of architecture so it's been a blast really <laughs> i mean the fact that it's spread over seven rooms that sounds like a lot for you to coordinate and to um maintain i mean how long have you been spending on structuring that in terms of speaker placement and making sure that everything fits together correctly uh, since uh, April 23rd, and the installation opened uh, just this past Saturday, May 27th. It's been a little over a month, yes. And have you managed to get a feel for how people are reacting to it in these early stages of the installation being open? Well, yes, in the sense that uh, there are some uh, fantastic artists who actually are from this region. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Triac, which is uh, Rosano. Oops, I'm going to have to hold on a second there because I have to get uh, Emiliano's name right. <laughs> but uh, it's Tomb, okay? They are released online. Emiliano Romanelli and Rosano Palidoro. Yeah, I love those guys. I did an interview with them actually just recently and uh, I love their approach. It's gorgeous. Exactly. So um, so Rosano was uh, coming around uh, pretty much uh, every second day for one thing, uh, bringing me lunch every second day, make sure that I eat. <laughs> and uh, also uh, was uh, always walking around and, and uh, very judiciously listening and and you know, watching the the um, the evolution of the uh, installation from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that that must be nice. Yeah, it was fantastic because also we had great conversations about music, food, and the region and everything. So all of these, like for instance, like this is a only Rosano. There's also Fabio Perletta, who's the curator of the exhibit. And uh, Fabio was here uh, quite often as well, uh, overseeing things and walking through the space and seeing how things were evolving and so on. So, um, but many things really inform this um, installation because uh, I'm really uh, literally perched uh, at the top of a mountain in a village called the Città San Angelo in the Abruzzo region. And so it's a very small community. It's a very, uh, you know, medieval uh, 
village, very small community, no one's, very few people speak English. And uh, it's been wonderful because I've been learning tons of Italian to try and communicate and go buy my food and stuff. But uh, <laughs> there's also um, Rose Cafe here, which is the local bar. And Rosario has been absolutely amazing. This man from day one started teaching me uh, Italian and then the corresponding dialect. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> So every time I go for an amazing coffee, which I call El Café La Migliore del Mondo, del Mondo, El Mondo, and I'm probably messing up my Italian now, <laughs> but, but uh, it, it really, so I get, not only do I get an incredible coffee, uh, in, in the middle of the countryside of Italy, but I also get, you know, personal Italian lessons. Wow. <laughs> this sounds incredible. Yeah. Yes, it, it's been really amazing. And also um, the director of um, Museo, who is um, Enzo de Leonibus, and his uh, son Marco de Leonibus. And Marco has been here with me practically almost every day. And uh, so it's been really an incredible experience overall. And all of these, uh, I'm telling you all these stories because all of these stories really informed the installation and how I was going to create it. Wow. Well, I'm so grateful that you've taken even, you know, a short amount of time out to speak to me, considering right now you could be sharing company with all these lovely people or getting some incredible coffee or some lovely pizza. So I feel doubly yeah. grateful that um, I managed to steal a bit of your time, France. Oh yeah, yeah, it's no problem because now I'm in um, I, I'm in between. Like this uh, installation just um, opened on the 27th, and I've got another installation uh, that will open June 4th. And this is like across. I can actually look from my 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 house and from my window, and I can see this mountain. It's a uh, Mayela mountain. And this is another festival that is curated by uh, Enzo de Leonibus, the director of um, de Leonibus, uh, the director of the museum, who are also doing something incredible because, um, you know, there's uh, many, many spaces and ruins all over the countryside of Italy that are just literally falling apart. No one is, is uh, really doing anything with these. And uh, so they, uh, this festival called Eremi Arte, have taken it upon themselves to uh, basically cover a region of maybe 200 kilometers in the Abruzzo uh, region. And I believe the chain of mountains is called Apellini. I have to double check that. And uh, where they are curating artwork all over these uh, places. Like for instance, I'm going to this mountain that will be uh, 1,260 meters above sea level, where I'm uh, doing an installation in this uh, very old uh, church and a concert as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm put there because there's electricity there. Other sites don't have electricity, so there's sculptures, paintings, uh, other things. So I, I think it's, it's really incredible that they're doing this. 
and I'm very honored that they've asked me to participate as well. So this is just to give you a little bit of uh, an idea of what uh, what's been going on since I've been here. <laughs> yeah, well, what a treat. I mean, it's one thing to go and experience these things as a spectator. Uh, it's another to be invited to artistically interact with this architecture right. so what a privilege um so so when, when what are the dates for these installations that are happening okay uh, museo laboratorio in Città san angelo is uh, the uh, installation intersperse will run until i believe june the 17th and it might be prolongated i'm not sure or uh, prolonged sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm like between french english and italian now so i'm actually creating <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other entretemps, which is um, the installation that starts on Sunday at uh, Madonna dell'Altare in Palena, will run until September 30th. Excellent. So I'll make sure that that's in the show notes as well, so that people can, uh, okay, you know, can go check that out and um, you know get all the details if they perchance happen to be in the area and want to come along. We should proceed with the uh, main body of Crucial Listening, which is that I asked you to pick out three albums that you deem to be important to you. Um, You've sent back what, to me, seem like three really wonderful offerings, one of which I'm already pretty familiar with. Two of them I'm not at all, but have been uh, Mm -hmm. real revelations to me and terms of listening to them as I've been preparing to speak to you so if you'd like to introduce your your first pick that would be great okay um the first album is Miles Davis kind of blue it's basically my bible uh (laughs) that album I can listen to uh, many times a day without getting ever ever getting tired of it there's a sense of understanding of what silence is and it's absolutely brilliant this is my go-to for anything uh if i'm 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 struggling with something this is the album that brings me back to my core essentially if i'm really struggling with uh you know i'm trying to create a piece or i'm working on an album and i feel uh, that I'm getting away. Well, actually, there are two things that do that. There's a Richard Chartier print that I have in my studio as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, yes, and uh, so those are the two things that actually bring me back on track. And do you know what it is about this record? Is it something you're able to pick out which makes it something which allows you to get back on track? Yeah, it's the... Um, the lack of notes <laughs> <laughs> and the uh you know everything is really well paced there is not one extra note that should be there uh the feel also is brilliant uh you you can really get a sense of pacing with this album and 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 the the respect of silence and pauses is really what what gets me with this album. Honestly, the riffs are never, you know, too complicated. It's it's, but they're just perfect. It's just that how I don't know. I mean, the this album for me is just perfection. Yeah, 
it's 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 kind of like uh, you know a metaphor for what I eventually hope that eventually I'll get right one day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Do you mean that in terms of applying silence and, um, I guess, deliberate action in a way that's I don't know, feels entirely purposeful and, and entirely right? Uh, yes, there is that. And there are also, you know, the riffs and the feel and the rhythm section also, which is just perfect, steady, never over the top. Nothing is over the top with this album. Mm. And so it's it's really a, an idea, a concept that uh, I, I'm... I would be really happy to, 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 to read, which is something similar to that in terms of the relationship between sound, notes, silence, uh, you know, it's just the perfect amount of everything and the perfect lack of everything also. That's very important. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think something... So, so with Miles Davis, um, I myself over the past few months have been diving quite deep and mm -hmm. basically what I would consider to be discovering for the the first time why he is so wonderful. I mean, I've listened to his material before, but I think the past few months I've had a real uh, understanding and enlightenment of of yeah. why there's such significance to this material and and how it can be important to me. I mean, one one thing I've noticed in that process is, and I think you've essentially alluded to this yourself as well, is the beginning of the pieces, that period at which Miles is absent and not playing. Yes. Just, yeah. you, I, I just find myself, anytime I hear a piece of his that I haven't heard before, mm -hmm waiting mm -hmm. for the moment at which he comes yep. in and understanding that that's the moment at which he decided that his presence would be a more crucial inclusion than his absence, which is just Absolutely. wonderful. It's that moment where, I don't know, I mean, I'm not speaking for him, but it's that moment that I understand as this is the moment that I will play something that will elevate the piece. Yeah. You know? So I, I can give you a funny story. You know Marcus Miller, the bass player, right? Yes. I don't know if you're familiar. So in, in back in the day, I think uh, Miles Davis, there's a story around that Miles Davis was giving him a lift somewhere. They're driving in a car and like three, five minutes go by and Miles Davis says nothing. He's just driving. And then something, I think I had a red light or something. He just turned around and he looked at Marcus and he just said one thing to him. He said this one sentence to him. You play too many notes. <laughs> and then kept on driving and that was it, right? And this is a, yeah, it's, it's funny. And... Uh, this is uh, something I think Marcus Miller was given a honorary PhD at some university in the States. And this is an ex in his acceptance speech where he's telling the story. And of course, he didn't listen to Miles, but that's, that's, that's a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great little snippet of time where you really understand, you know, like even the timing of him, of him telling him you play too many notes, you know? Yeah, it's perfect. That's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> Wow. And um, I think as well, just the way in which this record 
slots together and self refers mm-hmm. is yeah. so incredibly satisfying it's like a a, a symmetrical object it's like a circle yes. or something you know is that yeah. something that you um connect with as well absolutely because the transitions also which i'm really crazy about like i'm completely ocd about transitions <laughs> and so uh, the transitions in this in this album are also absolutely sublime mm-hmm. not only transitions between tracks but also transitions within tracks yeah yeah absolutely yeah so it it, it it's really uh those are all very important elements do you remember the first time you heard it and where you were and how you felt about it oh oh my god that would be a long time ago so it's not something that you can recall then i guess no because i listen to so much music but there's certain albums that keep coming back and then over the years that's why i was able to give you those three albums literally immediately because those are the ones right now at this moment when miles davis always the other two might uh one of them might uh disappear for a while and come back you know but miles davis is the constant of the three another any other miles davis records that you have a strong connection with it sounds like none with which you have the same strength of connection but is there... mm, well <laughs> oh, <right. Okay. laughs> i've opened a box there have Sorry. i <laughs> Uh, it's because it would be very uh, different album, but it's Bitches Brew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first record, I think, of his I, I I heard. Yeah, and there's another one also that I have. Hold on, because I want to give you the right... Ascension pour les chapeaux, which is also uh, the soundtrack to uh, Louis Mars' film uh, Ascension pour les chapeaux. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, this is, uh, so the movie in English is called Elevator to the Gallows. That's a brilliant, brilliant album. 1958, that's another one. And so that was just before Kind of Blue then, which was 1959. Yeah, so this was, um, yeah, Ascension pour les Chafaux, which is, uh, no, actually, recorded in 1957 and it came out in 1958. Yeah, it's on Fontana Records. Right. That's so. That's also another uh, amazing Miles Davis album. Well, my search continues. Then I'll yep. be checking that one out. It seems to be endless, which I'm certainly not complaining about. Um, <laughs> So if you wouldn't mind introducing your second pick and also saying a bit about why this one is important as well. Okay, the second album, I believe I gave you Johnny Mitchell, Hegera. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's about uh, that album. Um, 
I first heard when I was into a lot of jazz and a lot of different stuff at certain point, and uh, it, it really struck me on many levels. First of all, uh, Johnny Mitchell as an artist, um, as a vocalist, but also as a writer. Uh, she, as a writer, she's just incredible uh, lyrics. Uh, it's really poetry, but the level of uh, poetry put to music here is, 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 is a notch above anything else I've heard because um, she uses a very different she uses very different tuning on her guitar. She used to I don't know what she's doing. I don't think she's uh, playing anymore. She's painting now, but uh, she uses very uh, definite tuning on the guitar that 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 gives that album the sound. And of course, the other element is Jaco Pastorius, who was an incredible uh, incredible guitar player. Uh, sorry, bass player. I mean, this one was particularly the one that was a revelation for me personally i think i'd had an awareness and i'd always been quite allured by joni mitchell's music but yeah had never really sat down with an album from start to finish and oh wow yeah so this one was i mean so distinctive i've heard bits of her material from across her catalog but this had such even on you know, first listen. It feels strange talking to you about this because I guess there's, a, in a way, maybe a gulf between us in that this album is so close to you and it's still a very new thing to me. But the yes. well, I'm glad. I'm glad I can introduce you to that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> it, but the it has such like a thematic consistency, like the style of her playing and the sound of the instruments has this. Yeah very strong quality and i understand she wrote it a lot while she was traveling as well is that right exactly yeah this is all about most of it is about being on the road and understanding what that means and the loneliness of being on the road and how it affects your relationships and you know and the people you meet and 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 so on it's brilliant there's a sense of uh everything being up in the air and i think it sounds like that her collaboration with Jacko came from a certain displeasure with the style of bass playing that had been on a lot of records where the root note seemed to be this mm-hmm. thing that couldn't mm-hmm. be deviated from. But for a record mm-hmm. that was written on the road, it just seems so appropriate that there's yeah. such a lack of stillness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant because it, it you know, like uh, she embraces, like in the lyrics, she really embraces the loneliness. She embraces, you know, the the the, the moments where she feels down <laughs> and all of that, and she makes it lyrically something beautiful, you know. And it really makes you think about all these things in a in a different way. And uh, here I have another little story about her and Jaco Pastorius. Like they did a lot of live shows while he was still alive, obviously, and. Uh, one day she bought a Roland, like uh, I think in the seventies, the Rolands. I can't remember. I can't remember the exact model, but it was a guitar amp that she just got herself. And uh, they're about to go on stage and play. So the amp is is there on stage. She's never used it, and she gets on stage, and Jack, who is already connected to the amp and playing, <laughs> and normally she would have just say, hey, get off my amp. But she has such respect for him that she didn't say anything and she just used another amp and they, uh, amplifier and they started doing the show. Wow. 
So that's another little, you know, jewel of a story there in terms of um, how, uh, you know, how she viewed his playing and how much respect she had for him and what she felt he brought to her, you know? Maybe you can tell me, Franz, did, did they collaborate much beyond this record in terms of other recorded projects? Oh, my God, I don't know. I know they did a lot of touring together. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be ju- uh, Shadows and Light. Okay. It seems to be another album. Echera and Mingus are two of them. Yeah, Mingus. He played on Mingus as well. Right. Yeah, uh, for me, she's uh, she's touch and go, which is actually quite fine with me because I think if an artist is doing what they're supposed to do, then they need to be exploring and therefore... I shouldn't like everything they do. And, and, and she falls in that category. There are certain albums for me that really don't resonate at all. And there there's certain albums of hers that are just absolute, okay, great, this is perfect, you know? So uh, uh, this relates to what I think uh, an artist should do. And, and uh, in other words, if I like everything, it's okay. But then does that mean that the artist is not uh, evolving in any way, you know? Absolutely. I mean... You mentioned that you've been listening to a lot of jazz when you got into this record, and this record seems to have fallen within a phase which I understand to have been associated um, with, I guess, Joni Mitchell working more primarily with a jazz influence. Yeah. So was that why it held particular appeal to you, that it just struck you at the right time? Uh, No, it was really the sound. It was really the sound that got me. It was Jacko's fretless bass and her guitar and how the the actual melodies of the sound were structured and the chord changes were just crazy. Yeah, the chord changes are bizarre. (laughs) Yeah, the chord changes are insane. And again, I I come back to transitions and those transitions are just awesome. Uh, the, the the chord changes are bizarre. She she I know she tunes her guitar not not in a normal way a guitarist tunes. So this is why her playing with Jacko worked really well because he played a, fre- a flat a fretless bass and so there was a lot of um, you know um, understanding I guess and 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 complicity between the two. Which I don't know if you can use complicity in English, but uh, absolutely. Okay, and. Um, so for me, it was not so much that it was jazz. It just so happened that this was created while I was listening to a lot of jazz and it came out, but it was just the sound of it. It just threw me for a loop, you know? I couldn't stop listening to it. And we've also spoken a bit about there the fact that she wrote it on the road and the record is a manifestation of that circumstance. Yeah. Um, is that's in itself something you relate to and that i mean this feels quite pertinent to be speaking uh to you about now given that you were yes. doing a site-specific installation <laughs> <laughs> so i guess environment is a, a key part of of your practice would that be fair to say yeah it 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 there, there are many elements that are um that are similar uh, except that I'm, I'm not so, um, how can I say, I'm having a lot of fun when I'm on the road. So I, I, because of the people that I meet, basically, 
and the situations that I'm I'm put in were at times just like totally hilarious. But there are moments where you know I feel wow, you know, like I'm away from home, I will, I'm away from everybody. So there are those moments, you know, and uh, those moments I've learned to uh, really uh, appreciate and and actually use while I'm creating. So that's something that's come into play over time. Would yeah. you say? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. At first, I, I, I would just be down and not understand what, what was happening, you know, but now I have a lot more experience and I'm like, okay, so now I'm, I'm feeling, you know, a bit down. So it's time to get to work on some music and see how I can, you know, translate that. Yeah. So I guess there's maybe a twofold mm -hmm. um, benefit to that in that there's, it's a... Um, a, a, a means of processing yes. times at which you don't feel great, but then also a, a means of making creative work from that. Yes. That's quite interesting. Well, because, um, you know, I have this little theory that I came up with, which is like uh, the theory, theory of the jar, you know, like a, a jam jar kind of thing, you know? Mm. So I have this funny theory that... Uh, I find that most people are walking around with this jar inside themselves and the, the, the lid is always closed tight, right? So people are just going through life, blah, blah, blah. And I think artists are in a situation where they're walking with that jar, but the lid is always open. And so um, uh, because to be able to create, you have to be able to uh, take in all this, this, this stuff that's coming in, right? And so one feels a little bit more intensely than normal. So you feel uh, pain a little more intensely. You feel sadness a little more intensely. You also feel joy a little more intensely, right? But for that, uh, to be able to be communicated into sounds and music, that lid has to be open because that all of these um, experiences and so on have to go into that jar and then from the same jar you need to create something to come out right so i don't know if it if i'm making any sense here it's kind of difficult to explain no absolutely i that definitely makes sense to me um, okay is it something that you find now is an impulse and comes naturally to you or is there a process where you have to unscrew the jar <laughs> no 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 it's, it's natural now i mean i came to that realization while trying to understand my my ups and downs right okay and while trying to understand my ups and downs and i i'm observing people the world my life everything and then i came up with this oh look at that you know and then i came to realize that those moments where i go down are actually moments to be cherished not moments to, not, not moments to be feeling uh uh you know uh depressed you know i'm in the sense that i mean it's it's not a depression it's just like you know you you hit it down you know and uh i i've just come to accept it as well that's the that's the 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 other side of uh, me being able to be happy and create and all of that right i need this to be able to do the other yes absolutely. so it's not something that i can separate so i need to uh, I need to find a way for this to, to live within within myself, my head, and so on, so that, uh, you know, there is no conflict and we can all live happily. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
beautiful France and it had a lovely ending as well. <laughs> uh, so with this Joni Mitchell album, do you have a particular favourite track? On Edgera? Yes. I think Refuge of the Roads. I fell in with some drifters Cast upon a beach town Winn-Dixie cold cuts And highway hand-me-downs And I wound up fixing dinner For them in Boston Jim I well up with affection Thinking back So let's go on to your third choice yes uh this one is um a day in new york by ryochi sakamoto jacques morellenbaum and paula morellenbaum now this is an interesting one i was introduced to this in japan in 2012 by yuki aida uh, who runs uh, the label uh murmur records and i was on tour in japan and uh I think we were cooking dinner one night and he put this on and I absolutely fell in love with it. And the the album that I have right now is the album we listened to that he gave to me because he felt, you know, like I, I, I just fell in love with it. Ah. It's all um, Antonio Carlos Jobim songs. Yes. Yeah. So I understand. So it's, it's material. And, and apparently was he... Apparently he was some kind of like bossa nova kind of champion. Is that right? Oh goodness, yes. Do you know the girl from Ipanema? No, no, I don't. No, not at all. Okay, so you got to listen to that song. I'm sure you know it. He's he's the writer. But yes, Antonio Carlos Jobim was a god of of uh, bossa nova. C C C. Wow. And uh, I see now I'm, I'm speaking Italian. <laughs> okay. Um, so, from what I understand from this album is that they asked uh, Carl, uh, Antonio Carlos Jambiv's wife if they could go and record in his house. Right, okay. And I believe that's what was done, and I believe his son is on the album. There's many, many, um, you know, stories about this album, so it seems to have been released in 2003. It doesn't sound like that to me. I don't know what I was expecting, you know, but it sounds older than that. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds older than that. So that's why I'm not quite sure because I'm looking at photos too. I think it might be a re-release. I thought it was released like much earlier than that. So mm. I thought it was released like in the 60s. Yeah. So I've heard a few bits by Sakamoto. I'm probably most familiar with his mm -hmm. stuff with David Sylvian and... <laughs> Christian yes. Fenez. So this one uh, kind of yes, it's not something you'd expect, right? No, exactly. Yeah. I, I I was not expecting this. But... I I love this album <laughs> because he also brings you know like if you've if you've had a chance to listen to it, he's mixing like uh, chords and and arpeggios from the the Brazilian uh, bossa nova with the Japanese scale. It's brilliant. Wow. So there was a lot of freedom then, I guess, to work yes. within the, the original yes. material, yes. right? 
Yes, yes, yes. I mean, the structure, the songs, the lyrics, like, and the structures are, are very much the same, but I, I, I hear Sakamoto all over the place taking liberties, and I'm laughing every time because it's so good. <laughs> you know, because it's so like, you know, like he'll go, there, there's a song like, ta da 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 ta da 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 ta and then he'll go, ta da 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 you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it fits right but it's two different cultures it's great that's incredible because i didn't realize so it wasn't what i expected to hear from him but then i did mm -hmm. a bit of reading and mm -hmm. it mentioned that he was a bossa nova pianist as a teenager mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. actually it makes perfect sense and it's kind of nice that he's come back to this style, which exactly. has yeah, such exactly. a presence. And now he's a master, yeah. you know, and, and what a lovely idea. I absolutely love this album. I, I totally fell in love. And thanks to Yuki and my, my Japanese friends who introduced me to this, you know. Yeah. I mean, does Yuki know that you've gone on to, I mean, obviously he saw you fall in love with the record does yes, he yes he did yeah him and his wife they both watch me just like completely <laughs> fall in love with this yeah wow and how often do you listen to it now <laughs> these days on the road very often every night wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we we go from the Johnny Mitchell on the Downs to a day New York, and that's what keeps me in a good mood. If I can feel myself go all down, going down, all I have to do is put Desafinado, and it's over. Oh wow! <laughs> then I'm in a great mood, and I'm like, all right, I'm cooking, and everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> it must be great to have these records that you can just have on your person like tools yes. and know that they're always there yeah it's very comforting this album has a lot of uh, musicality to it this is why i really like it uh, i love the um the simplicity of the voice of uh, paula mm. her voice is just amazing and and, and it's, it's almost like i don't know it's not monotone but there's not again you know there's a very simplicity minimal aspect to to her voice which is also kind of a, a signature of uh, brazilian bossa nova with the with the vocalist which i really really like there's not uh, this over singing or this american vocal gymnastics you know <laughs> it's um yeah it's like well feels like it's well within her range and that it's, absolutely yeah. absolutely because this is not easy this is by by all means it's not easy stuff to sing and the other thing that i love about this album is the rhythms the rhythms are absolutely crazy yeah <laughs> there are so many things going on and the reason why i'm listening to it so much is because i still under don't understand what they're doing i don't know what your experience is with bossa nova outside of this is that something inherent to bossa nova or is that something that this record has particular flair for it's inherent to brazilian bossa nova there's a definite specific type of rhythm for brazilian uh, bossa nova yes hmm. 
which will differ if you go to Argentina or if you change country, uh, things will change. But this is definitely very specific. One thing I've noticed across all of your picks is <laughs> the <laughs> the chord changes are always really... And transitions, I think transitions has come up a lot, I think, on this record as well. The chord changes are beautiful. It's interesting yeah. that that seems to be a particular draw for you. It's a constant, yes. Saiba que sem mim provoca imensa dor. Só privilegiados têm ouvido igual Eu posso apenas o que Deus me deu. Se você insiste em classificar meu comportamento diante musical. Are there any other records outside of these three as well, which have maybe honourable mentions, I guess? Honourable <laughs> mentions? <laughs> um, yes, one which you, you, you probably may or may not expect, but uh, Atom HD. Oh, really? Yes. No, I didn't expect that. Yeah, and particularly one track, Writing the Void, is absolutely brilliant in terms of transitions and melodies. It's insanely brilliant. There's a good key change in that one as well. Aha, uh -huh. yeah, there you go. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 I, I, um, I struggled with that record for a bit. Uh, and then I think there came a point like a very distinct point where it clicked mm -hmm. and it was probably the point at which i could stomach that track featuring man what's that vocalist called jamie jamie Nobel. yeah <laughs> it was hard work <laughs> to begin with um yeah but yeah. i love that piece now <laughs> yeah 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 wow so i mean just to um in case people haven't heard it i guess it's like a it's um i mean it's a kind of serious record in that he clearly put a lot of work into it but there's a definite parody touch to it isn't it there's yeah. like a, a almost like yeah. a parody of like electronic music and of uh, commercial outputs um yeah. how would you describe it well, how can I say? It's just musically, I really, really love the album. I happened to see this performed live, and I remember my reaction uh, with the, what what was the the track? Oh, I can't remember the track now. Uh, was it pop music? Pop HD. Pop HD, not pop HD, but the other one where he talks about Sony. Oh, stop imperialist pop. Yes, stop imperialistic pop. Yeah, and and I, I just I, I saw this performance live and I was laughing so hard, <laughs> you know, because the, the sense of humor was just so good, and I was I was just standing there like laughing, <laughs> you know, because it was like wow, this is great. <laughs> yeah, so unexpected. I don't know. This music has such a reputation. I think unfairly i think often of this straight-faced you know no joking precision and um i think the way that he riffs off that as well 
Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Well, people have to get over that. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. People, people have to get over there those hangups and just listen to to the works for what the works offer. You know, like again in this album, I think it's the same thing uh, that that run through all the other three albums is 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 you know like transitions and you know like a certain perfection in. Uh, you know, in detail and so on, but also, I mean, philosophically, this album is is a blast, you know, because uh, it's such a, a blatant, uh, you know, like a comic parody of the world we live in. Yeah, and that My Generation cover as well is ridiculous. Mm? So good. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's great because, you know, people are dancing to this. Yeah. You know, so that's the funny part of it. So that's like the double, you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff going on here. I think, um, like, as a choice of cover, so on the nose in terms of, like, <laughs> how many, you know, it's they could have done, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's the song to cover. And you, it, yeah. there's a certain, like, I don't give a shit. Here we go. I'm yeah. covering it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hands touched. France, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time out to share some of oh, your... Oh, you're very welcome. It's nice to share. It's really rare that someone asks me what I'm listening to. It's great. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I listen to some crazy stuff, so... Clearly. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, if people want to check out your own stuff as well, France, where should they be headed online um where where should they go uh soundcloud france jabin fantastic excellent yeah well um great well well thanks so much uh for joining me and uh we'll speak soon will do